Well, if you have your Bibles this morning, uh, turn with me to 2 Peter chapter 1. As you heard, we are beginning a new series today called Your Ticket to Life. Don't put the scripture up just yet, Brother Forrest. We'll get to it. Um, but this is called Your Ticket to Life. What, what this is, uh, as you turn to 2 Peter, is we all know what tickets are. You know, when you mention the word ticket, it's, uh, you know, you need that for entry into something like an event, a concert, maybe One Direction's coming, you know, something like that. Uh, Ed Sheeran, I don't know. Uh, we're going to see Fred Hammond, a little bit different, you know, but, uh, and, uh, you know, maybe, uh, you know, you're going to a movie theater, right? You need a ticket. Maybe uh, whatever it is that you're going to, some event uh, that you need to get into. Maybe you're going to, you're going to suffer through a Colts game. I don't know. Um, uh, <laughs> so you need a ticket, right, to get in there. And so a ticket is something that gives you entry into some place. Well, the Lord Jesus, through the Apostle Peter, has given us a few tickets that give us entry into life. Now, when I say your ticket to life, you may say, well, I'm already living, I'm already alive. What does that mean? I already have my ticket to life. Well, the life that I'm talking about is not existence, okay? We were, uh, we, there was a song that played this morning during greeting time. Most of us were greeting, so we probably didn't pay attention to it. But there was a song, and I can't remember if it was by Casting Crowns or Mercy Me, called Thrive. And it just says that we're, you know, we weren't created to just exist, we weren't created to just be alive, but we were created to thrive, right? Jesus said, I come that you might have life, and you might have life more abundantly. He is able to do exceeding abundantly, above all that we ask or think. And so you're not here to just make it through. You're not here to just get up every day, brush your teeth, I hope. Michael, brush your teeth and, uh, you know, eat your breakfast, go to work, come home, watch a little TV, watch the news, get depressed, watch the game, get more depressed, go to bed. <laughs> I know, I'm, I keep I'm talking, I love the Colts, I'm down on the Colts, but I, they'll turn it around today, starting today. New day, right? Today's a new day. And so, yeah, but we weren't made to just exist through life. We were made to enjoy life. All right, and we're going to see that. And so uh, God has given us certain tickets to get, uh, to enter into that life that he uh, wants us to have here on earth. Not just the ticket that we're going to talk about today. We're going to talk today about the exchange ticket. But he has given us certain tickets that we uh, may access all of the promises that he's given for us. Amen. And so that's what we're going to talk about in this series. So, Second Peter chapter 1. <laughs> All right, I'm reading first here from the New King James Version, and I'm going to go down through verse 11, verse 1 through verse 11. The Bible says, Simon Peter, a bondservant and apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who have obtained like precious faith with us by the righteousness of our God and Savior Jesus Christ, grace and peace be multiplied to you. In the knowledge of God and our and of Jesus, our Lord, as his divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us by glory and virtue by which we have been given to us exceeding, exceedingly great and precious 
promises that through these you may be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. Verse 5. But also for this very reason, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue. To virtue, knowledge. To knowledge, self-control. To self-control, perseverance. To perseverance, godliness. To godliness, brotherly kindness. And to brotherly kindness, kindness, love. For if these things are yours and abound, you will neither you will be neither barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. For he who lacks these things is short-sighted, even to blindness, and has forgotten that he was cleansed from his old sins. Therefore, verse 10 says, Brethren, be even more diligent to make your call and election sure. For if you do these things, you will never stumble. Another version says you will never fall. And yet another version says you will never fail. Never fail. Verse 11, for so an entrance will be supplied to you abundantly into the everlasting kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. You know, life folks, is the greatest adventure, just life itself. How many know that, you know, they say that art sometimes imitates life, and it does. They say that sometimes life imitates art. Uh, to me, uh, I, the greatest thing to me, the most entertaining, the most satisfying things I find in normal everyday life. I mean, I'm a moviegoer. Some of you are moviegoers. Uh, some of you love entertainment. Some of you love, uh, you know, uh, sports. Some of you love shopping for entertainment. Some of you love different things to be entertained. And I think all of those things are entertaining. I love comedy. You know, I love to laugh. Uh, I love entertainment, all sorts of things. But one of the things I found is if I just watch people in everyday life, come on, it is the most satisfying and entertaining thing that you could ever have. You know, if I just look at my, if I look back over my life and I look at some of the things, some of the dumb things I've done, some of the things I've accomplished in spite of myself, you know, and all of these things, uh, it's just, life is just a great, it's the most wonderful adventure we could ever have. It has given us an invitation to enter through the gate, the narrow gate, a gate where a specific ticket is required, okay? Let me... If you don't mind, just if you, if you have some patience with me this morning, let me read those same verses to you or some of those verses to you from another version of the Bible. Okay? Another version says this. He said, I, Simon Peter, am a servant. Now, this is important. This phrase right here is important. I, Simon Peter. He starts off his letter, all right, by saying, I, Simon Peter, am a servant and an apostle of Jesus Christ. Important for what we're about to talk about. I write this to you whose experience with God is as life-changing as ours is. Okay? All due to our God's straight dealing and the intervention of our God and Savior Jesus Christ. He says, grace and peace to you many times over. 
Remember we just read that said be multiplied unto you many times over as you deepen your experience with God and Jesus our master. Listen, everything that goes into a life of pleasing God has been miraculously given to us by getting to know personally and intimately the one who invited us to God. The best invitation that we've ever received. We were also given absolute, terrific promises to pass on to you, Peter says. And then he says, your tickets to participation in the life of God after you turned your back on a world corrupted by lust. And so here you have the apostle Peter, all right? And what he's telling you and I is that there is a life that I have been privy to. There is a life that I have experienced having walked with the Lord Jesus, having walked on water, having seen him heal people and having healed people, having God done that through me. Having seen all of these miraculous things, having experienced all of this miraculous, uh, uh, this miraculous life that I've walked so far, I have experienced this. And what I'm trying to tell you, the Apostle Peter is saying, is that I have the tickets for you to experience the same life, the same vision that I have seen. Peter is telling us that he has the ticket for us. He has the ticket for us to experience that. Now, a ticket to life. Here's my definition for this series as we kick off. Ticket to life simply means this. Ticket to life is a special pass offered to you by Jesus, come on, to enter into specified places that requires someone to pay the cost of the ticket. Now, you're not paying the cost of the ticket. You're given these tickets free. The holder of the ticket has faith to receive the tickets and enter. So how do we enter? For by grace you were saved through, come on, through, through faith. It is not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. I first heard uh, Brother Clarence uh, give this story some years ago. And I've told it over and over, so... I know most of you have heard this before, but it, it just uh, it, it bears witness to what we're talking about this morning. And that is simply the story of uh, the man who uh, got a ticket to go on a cruise. You remember this story we're talking about? Some of you remember it. Uh, he got a ticket to go on a cruise, but he really didn't have much money. You know the story, Beatrice? Yeah, he didn't have much money at all, but someone gave him a ticket to go on to the cruise. And uh, so he said, well, I'll go on the cruise. I don't have any money to buy anything or to do anything or to have any fun or do, you know, any of the stuff that they have. I might not. I'll just pack all the stuff in my suitcase. I'll put me some extra peanut butter crackers and uh, some cheese crackers, you know, because some of you guys like cheese. And uh, 
you know, some different things. I'll put in there, you know, some, some things that uh, non-perishable. That's what I'm trying to think of, Kerry. Non-perishable items in there. Maybe a few bottles of water. And I'll, you know, and then I'll just, I'll, I'll, be, I'll be on the cruise, you know. So, he's, so he got his ticket, got on the cruise, went into his cabin. And the whole seven days, six days and set, what is it, seven days, six nights, six days, seven nights, whatever it is. He was on the cruise and uh, stayed in his cabin. Now, how many have ever been on a cruise? Anybody, a few of you, few have been on a cruise. If you've ever been on a cruise, we've just been once. Just a couple years ago, we got to go for the first time in our life. We thoroughly enjoyed ourselves. But I got to tell you, the cabins are about as big as this pulpit thing right here. You know, I mean, really, with the shower and everything. I mean, you got to get in the shower and you really got to turn around if you want to, you know. But I listen, I'm not complaining because it was, a, it was a great cruise, you know. But I'm saying for him, that, well, the whole point is for you not to stay in your cabin. You just go there to sleep, shower, but all the fun is out here, see? You're not, there's no fun in there. And so, but he stayed in his cabin the whole time because his thought process was, well, at least I got to get away. I don't have money, you know, to do all these other things. Well, some of you know who have been on a cruise that when you buy your ticket to the cruise, it includes all of that other stuff. It includes swimming in the pool. It includes getting in the hot tub. It includes all the, the food that you would ever want, uh, all the unhealthy food that you would ever want. <laughs> uh, you know, and so all of these things uh, you are privy to. You know, there's even some shows uh, that they have, you know, comedy shows and different kind of singing shows and all this stuff that they have on. And you can just walk around and have a great time, relax on the cruise. But instead, he stayed right in his cabin the whole time, not realizing that his ticket gave him entrance to the abundant life. And so what Peter is trying to tell us this morning is that I have a ticket to give you, some tickets to give you, we're going to talk about over the next number of weeks. And when you grab hold of these tickets, you will be able to enjoy an abundant life at no extra cost, <laughs> right? No fine print, no extra cost. All right, you're going to be able to enjoy this life that I'm telling you about. So over the next number of weeks, we're going to talk about the exchange ticket. That's today. Uh, and then we're going to talk about the endeavor or the excellence ticket, all right, because we want to do things in excellence, right? We want to have a great life in excellence. We're going to talk about the education ticket, all right? There is a ticket. We're going to talk about the energized ticket. That is simply a ticket that gives you the power to have self-control. Very important. I hope you listen on that one. The power to have self-control. You talk about a ticket that gets you into some places you'll never get to without it is the power of self-control, all right? Power of self-control. Then we're going to talk about the endurance ticket. All right, that's staying power. I'm not going to give up. I'm going to keep going. And then we're going to talk about the exceed ticket. That means increase, abound. And if you do those things, you will never stumble. You will never fall. You will never fail. Now, let me just say something about that. It's, if you think about that, when you hear that, a lot of us, when you hear that phrase, here's, a, here's some tickets, and if you do these things, you'll never stumble, you'll never fall, you'll never fail. In our mind, we're thinking, oh, well, that's good. I'll just only fall a little bit. I really won't fall that much. You know, it'll, it'll kind of help me out, you know, because I know if I do fall, I have an advocate with the Father, you know, and so it doesn't really mean that you won't ever fall. It just means that, you know, um, it, if I do fall, I have an advocate, and it'll help me when I fall. That's not what it means. I want to tell you this morning that what Peter is telling us is if you do these things, if you grab hold of these tickets by faith, 
You, his words, not mine. You will never. Do you understand what that word means? It means never. It means never, no, not even ever. That's literally what that Greek word means. Never, no, not even ever. So now think about that when we read this. You will never stumble. Never even stumble. How would you like to go through life and never stumble? That doesn't sound right. I, to, to me, it doesn't. It's, uh, you know, I've stumbled so much, I, you know, I don't know what it's like not to stumble sometimes. Come on, in my flesh, my flesh man doesn't, right? That's why I can't follow the flesh man. You will never fall. You will never fail. Now, I don't want that to make you feel bad. You and me feel bad. Because should we stumble, should we fall, should we fail? Of course, we have an advocate with the Father. Of course. But our endeavor is to get to that place of excellence where we can endure. Come on, somebody. And we're above, we're the head and not the tail. Above, never again beneath. Come on. We're walking on our circumstances. We're walking on water. No matter what comes our way, we're able to endure it. By faith, we're able to get through it. Come on. We're able to conquer it. This is the life that Peter is talking to you about. This is the life. So I'm not just talking about existing when we talk about your ticket to life this morning. So the exchange ticket. Here's what it does for us. The exchange ticket enables us to give up one thing in order to receive something better. A radical spiritual exchange through regeneration coupled with spiritual disciplines. A radical spiritual exchange through regeneration coupled with spiritual disciplines. Here's what we're talking about this morning. We're talking about the salvation ticket. See, if we don't talk about this ticket first, we can not obtain any other tickets. Okay? We'll go through life and we will stumble, we will fall, and we will fail. All right? And what salvation really is, I know we can quote the scriptures, we can quote Romans 10, 9, and 10. You know, we can quote all of those. We can go through what's the Romans road, and we can go through all of those as to what salvation is. Uh, Corinthians, if any man is in Christ, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation, right? Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. We can go through all of those things. But I want you to know this morning at the very core of it, what salvation really is, is an exchange. I'm giving my life up for the life that you have for me. I'm giving my life away for what you have for me. Now, now listen to what God says. He says, listen, give me your ashes, because that's what you are. Ashes to ashes, dust to dust. I formed you out of the dust of the ground. All right? So all this is is earth, <laughs> and it's going back to dust. Give me your ashes, and I'll give you my beauty. I'll give you beauty for ashes. And he's not necessarily just talking about outward beauty, but he's talking about the beauty of a wonderful, godly attitude. Come on. He's talking about the beauty of a wonderful, godly fruit of the Spirit. Come on, love, joy. What's some more of them? Peace, patience, long-suffering. Right? Kindness, self-control. 
Come on. All of those. Every version of the Bible, there are nine components to the fruit of the Spirit. And they all have to work together. You can't have one piece of the... You can't say there's nine fruits, but I have two of the fruits, right? Because it doesn't say that, really. There's a reason why it says that the fruit of the Spirit, the fruit is love, joy, peace, okay? All the way through. All of them work together. So if you got a couple of components, you don't have the fruit yet, but you might have the seed, and you might have the stem, and you might have the skin that goes on the outside, all right? But we need to put all that together, or it's not an apple. I mean, if you're going to give me an apple, I want the whole thing, and I can decide what to do with it, right? And so the fruit of the Spirit, that's what we're talking about when God says, I'll give you beauty for ashes. Now, I told you something at the beginning. I was saying, listen to what Peter's saying, because here's what I want to drill into us this morning, is he, he said, I am a servant and an apostle of Jesus Christ. You remember that? I, Simon Peter, a servant and an apostle. There's a reason why Peter said that in his letter in that order. Because you cannot obtain the tickets uh, that God wants to give us and obtain the life that he wants us to have without what we're talking about here, a full 100% exchange. You know, some of you church people, you know, like me, we've sang this song for hundreds of years, I surrender all, maybe not hundreds, I don't know when it was written, but, right, I surrender all, we sing that sometimes and don't realize it's saying all, all, right, I surrender all, everything, Lord, I give to you. I give to you my marriage, I give to you my children, I give to you my attitude, I give you my job, I give you my car, I give you my house, I give you my education, everything about me, I give to you. Why? Because he'll give you beauty in every area, all of those things. Your car will be beautiful, your education will be beautiful, it'll work in a way in your life that it will produce beauty, because he gives you beauty, beauty for ashes. Come on. And so it's it's the exchange. And so when we talk about the exchange, when we talk about giving all to God, you can't be haughty, right? You can't be proud. You can't be any of those things. You can't think that your ministry is greater than people, right? You can't think that any, your job is greater than people. You can't think that anything that you do is greater than what God has for you than the Lord and other people. You can't think that. We can't have that in our mind. This is why Peter says, come on, I am a servant and an apostle. Now, think about what it means to be an apostle, right? An apostle means that you plant churches. You start ministries. You you bring people in, tell them how to do this thing, Right, Give them all the tools they need, and you set them on their way. And so their success, in large part, is due to what God did through you right? and what you told them. Remember I told you the story, uh, and I'm not saying claiming to be an apostle at all, but just um, I told you the story of uh, us going over to the Philippines, and uh, we met with uh, Pastora Abigail over there, and... Um, and some of her leaders and that, and we, you know, we were just talking about things. And then I, you know, I said, well, you know, these are some of the things that I think, uh, you know, the Lord would have you to do or whatever. And I mean, man, the next week they were doing those things. 
And I was going, oh, Lord, you know, <laughs> right? You know, you listen, I, this thing has got to be real. I really have to be prayed up. You know, I better make sure what I'm saying is what God is saying. All right. That's what I'm talking about when I say now imagine Peter. That's just me talking, you know, sort of even as a friend to her or as, you know, the life church. Um, but imagine Peter, an apostle beginning not only ministries, the church, because Jesus said, listen, on on this rock, I will build my. So that's who we're talking about when we're talking about Peter, the rock, Rocky. Come on. This revelation he had, God is building his church on that thing. So this is, now, now you talk about somebody who can feel important. Right? But notice what he says. I am a servant and, by the way, an apostle of the Lord Jesus Christ. First thing is we need to have that attitude. I am a servant and, by the way, pastor. I am a servant and, by the way, the CEO or the owner or whatever it is you might be. So that's Peter's attitude. I am a servant. Now, listen to what Peter... Remember we talk, I talked a little earlier about how Peter walked with Jesus. He saw miracles. He walked on water, walked on God's word is what he did, right? Because Jesus said, come, and he walked on that word. If Jesus wouldn't have said, come, he would have sank, right? So he walked on that word of God. He, what he saw, all these things, he walked on water. Peter was on the Mount of Transfiguration, all right? When Jesus transfigured, right, and his spirit came forth and he shed his flesh, right, and revealed himself. He was there. That's where Peter was. Now, listen to what he says to you, this man. He says to those, he's talking to you and you and you and you, to me. He says to those who have obtained like precious faith. Do you realize this morning that you have the same faith that the man who walked on water, that stood on the Mount of Transfiguration, that said, get up, take up your bed, lame man, and walk, and he did. Come on. You have the same faith that Peter had. The same healing faith. The same delivering faith. Come on. That Peter had. Obtain means what comes to someone apart from their own efforts. What comes by divine will. This is the obtain you're talking about. This is what he's talking about when he's talking to you. Captured, seized. The Lord has seized you by his choice. A divine allotment. Did not acquire it for ourselves, not as an act of independent human control, but because you gave up something, which is your life. You have obtained like precious faith. The same faith that Peter had when he walked. He said, we, you, you have obtained the same faith with us by the righteousness of our God and Savior, Jesus Christ. What does like precious mean? What do you think it means, right? You know, it means, well, Peter had this great faith and, you know, I'm trying to get the faith that he has. Remember in Romans I believe it's in chapter 12, he tells us that we were all given the measure of faith. That's the same measure Peter was given. Believe it or not, it's the same measure that he was given. Same faith. You have it, folks. You have it. 
Like precious means equal in value. Same value, same honor. Our obtained faith is identical in value and honor to the apostles' faith. Because he also said to those who have obtained like precious faith with us. He's talking about not just me, the apostles. So now we got to talk about Paul. Come on. Even Barnabas later became an apostle. Come on. Right? The same faith he has given to Peter, he has given to you and I. Now, think about that. Find yourself in a situation where you feel like you can't overcome. I just can't overcome this thing. I can't overcome this financial situation. I can't overcome this relationship problem. I can't overcome this habit. I can't overcome. I don't care how long things have been going on in your life and with whom they have been going on. You need to wake up, come on, and realize that you have that same faith. But it's just a matter of appropriating it to your life. That's all it is. He said, for so an entrance will be supplied to you abundantly into the everlasting kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. First thing we need to do is exchange. And faith is that ticket that not only allows us to get in, but it's that ticket that receives everything that God has for us. What, what does he have for us? Well, number one, the righteousness of God in Christ. Right standing. By faith you are saved. By grace you are saved through faith. And through that faith, you need to realize that you are the righteousness of God. Now, how many of you, like me, find that when I look at the flesh, when I get out of the spirit, and I just look at the flesh, man, find that a little hard to stomach with myself. <laughs> when I look in the mirror and say, you are the righteousness of God, and think about failures and think about all these things, it's the enemy getting your mind off of what the real thing is. Come on. He's trying to make you live in the matrix. <laughs> Come on. But God, Peter right here, is trying to free your mind this morning. Come on. He's trying to free our mind that we might realize who we really are. You are the righteousness of God in Christ. You are in right standing with God. Now, if you were to say, well... Oh, you say that, Brother Mike, but you don't know the thing that I did the other day and you don't know how my attitude was and this or that. Well, here's what I, all I want to tell you this morning. Realize who you are and shed that thing. Stop doing it. Repent, repent, come on, and move on. It's that simple. Why are you going to stay in it? Come on, a pig stays in the slop. <laughs> We're going to talk about that in a little bit because that's who he is. That's not who you are. That's what I want to tell you this morning. This is not who you are. You are the righteousness of God. You also have the grace of God. That's his undeserving mercy. You have that. You don't deserve it, so stop trying to act like you deserve it. Stop feeling bad when he gives it to you. Oh, well, he gave me grace again, and I just am not worthy. Look, you don't deserve it. He knows it. You know it. Get over it. But it's yours. That's what you have to realize. It's undeserved mercy. That's what it is. Favor. It's God's favor. It's his undeserved favor. And it's on you because you exchanged your life for his. This is what he's telling you this morning. If you would simply exchange your life for mine, these are all the things you now have access to. 
And I realize you are still in, uh, encompassed by the flesh. There will be a day in the twinkling of an eye where you will be changed. And you will see who you really are with your own eyes. Now you might not be able to see it with these physical, carnal, failing eyes this morning. But you got to look with the eyes of the spirit. Look, are you going to have faith? Are you going to believe God? Or are you going to believe your lying eyes? <laughs> Come on. <laughs> Come on now. God is telling you this morning that you are the righteousness of God and you have his grace, which is undeserved. You also have the peace of God. Now appropriate it. Stop walking in turmoil. Some of that, a lot of that is just our choice. Cool. Now, listen, there's, there's, some, there's turmoil everywhere you go. I don't care where you go. I don't care whether it's on your job, in the church, at the market. There's, uh, you can always find some turmoil. I mean, come on. How many of us don't raise your hands? How many of us in our families, there's some turmoil? There's some turmoil. Come on. We were at a family reunion a few weeks ago. You know, we were having a great time and brothers started arguing and this and that and turmoil. You know, anything could turn into turmoil. Right? So, but what, what is our responsibility in that thing? Your responsibility to yourself is to first realize who you are, number one, and then realize that you have the peace of God even in the midst of all of those situations. I don't care what's going on around you. The, this peace is in God and in the Holy Spirit. And it is not contingent upon circumstances. It is not contingent upon feelings. It just is yours. Accept it. Get over it. It's who you are. It's who you are this morning. And then this ticket here, this faith ticket, it gives you the knowledge of God. The knowledge of God. Now that's important, to have the knowledge of God. It's even more important, which we're not going to talk about this morning, is to have the wisdom. Some people have a gift with the word of wisdom. You've heard of that? We're not going to talk about that today. But, uh, but it's important to have the knowledge of God, the knowledge of God to know what to do in every situation. Listen, to some of you, this may sound blasphemous, sacrilegious. But I want to tell you it's from the Lord this morning. Often we find ourselves in a situation, I got to meet with someone or I got this family situation, or I got to do this, I got to do that. Well, before I talk to them, I got to run back and I got to pray and I got to pray hard. I got to really hear what God is telling me because I don't want to mess it up and I don't want to, you know, I don't want to uh, say something that's wrong. And uh, how many know that's the absolute right thing to do? But God is getting you to the place, Ephesians 4, Christians, if you don't know what that is, read Ephesians 4, come on to a place where you're mature in him. Now, this doesn't mean you're not dependent on him. That's not what I'm talking about. But he's getting you to a place where he's inserting his knowledge in you because there may be some situations where somebody comes up to you, Brother Tom, and you ain't got time to go get in your prayer closet. They want to answer right now. Or the thing is, it's right here, right now. And so you need to have the knowledge of God. Right? You need to have that thing in you. The Holy Spirit's got to be down in you already. So that you can address that thing right now. All right? You don't have time to go back and get in the prayer club. Well, give me a couple days so I can go back in the war room. I need to pray for a little while. You know, I need to hear from the heavenlies. I need to float around a little bit, light some candles, you know, put on some worship music, a little Julie True. You guys don't know who she is, but, you know, I need to soak a little bit. All right? And then the spirit needs to come. I need to hear some things from on high. And then after all of that, I'll come back to you. 
and tell you just pray, you know. <laughs> Sometimes you don't have time to go do all that. That's why we ought to, that's what, that's what, what's what the Bible means when I believe it was Paul that said, be ready, what? Come on, finish that. In season and out. It's not just for preachers. The preacher word in season. That's for all of us. Be ready in season and out of season. So he gives you the knowledge of God. Now realize this, that you have what's called, I'll call it the divine factor. Okay? You have the divine factor. This word divine, it's a very important word. In Peter, 2 Peter 1, 3, it says, as his divine, divine, all right? That means relating to or proceeding directly from God. That's, that's Webster's dictionary of it. That's what the world understands divine to mean. That means proceeding from or directly proceeding from God. Only from God. It can come from nowhere else. Only from God. That's divine. It bears the stamp of God. Now this, this is a Greek word theos. Peter used it from the classic Greek usage. And it just simply means an attribute of God. Nothing else. And you have that divine attribute. Peter talks about the divine nature. Now let me just tell you something about this nature. Verse 4 says that through these you may be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped corruption that is in the world through lust. You this morning have the divine nature. Nature determines your appetite. Nature determines your appetite. And so some of us need to check and see what our appetite is for. All right? Is it for lust? Come on. Is our appetite for power? Right? Is it for relationship? That's our appetite. What's your appetite for? Or is it for the complete fruit of the Spirit? Do you have an appetite, a desire to have love, joy, peace? self-control, long-suffering. Do you have an appetite for that? Because that's really what your nature is, whether you know it or not. And we need to tap into that thing. It determines, this is what I said earlier, a pig's nature is a pig's nature. He wants to slop because that's his nature. Come on, that's just what's in him. Dogs, they have a certain nature. You know, they'll lick each other and do all kinds of things. And you might say, oh, that's just nasty, those dogs. Guess what? That's their nature. You know, remember that, remember the stock, I'll retell these stories. Remember the story about the scorpion and the frog? I won't retell it, but, uh, you know, the frog was going across and the scorpion promised not to sting him and halfway across the scorpion stung him, right? Remember that? Why? That's his nature. That's what I do. I can't help it. It's, it's my nature, right? If nature determines appetite and we have God's nature within us, come on, then we ought to have an appetite for that which is pure and holy. And anytime, listen, here's, this, let me help you this morning. Anytime you don't, because that can, you know, you can think about that and go, well, that's just not me, you know. Sometimes I don't have that. Anytime that you find yourself in a situation with an appetite that's not pure and holy, it's not your nature that's coming through. It is the nature of the enemy. It's the nature of your flesh that's trying to take precedent. And it's our job to say, oh, I got a ticket. I got the exchange ticket. I don't have to fall into that. I got my ticket. I'm in. You're out, flesh. I'm in. You're out, devil. I'm in. <laughs> I got it all. I can go to the pool. 
Come on. I can lay up out there by the, by the thing. I can get in the hot tub. I can go to the show. I can even go to the, uh, what's the thing, the, the, the bar, the, uh, uh, yeah, where you get all the food. You buffet. Thank you. I know. See, I should, I need to forget that word. Really, I do. By the way, we went to the buffet today. I was just checking. Okay. Um, <laughs> need to forget that, Brother Andy. I need to forget. But you, I can go to the buffet twice. I can go back three times if I want to. I can get up at 1 o'clock in the morning and go get a slice of pizza if I want to. Now, in the natural, we shouldn't do that. I see you looking at me, Carrie. I know. I'm not, it's just an example. Just an example. <laughs> But in the spirit, that's what we can say. Look, I have access to the Father, the heavenly Father, the one that created the universe. That's my daddy. I have his DNA, and I have his nature. I have the divine nature. It determines your behavior. It determines your environment. And it also determines your association. You find yourself associated with those that don't have your same nature. Come on. They don't have that divine nature. That can pull you down. But we need to pull them up. You also have divine power. In verse 3, as his divine power has given us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us by glory and virtue. That, that, that word there, the, the power there is, is, a, is the word dynamis. Power, might, strength, ability, power. You know, when you think of God, when you think of this power that's in you, I want you to think about something. You know, I grew up a superhero fan. Uh, I remember talking to uh, Pastor Lou one time, and uh, we were talking about, um, we were talking about, what's the guy with Achilles? Remember the Greek uh, guy, Achilles? And uh, so, we were, yeah, Achilles, you know, Achilles, Brother Carter. Sorry, sorry about that. But, uh <laughs> But we were talking about Achilles, and he was a, you know, he was a hero to, to Pastor Lou, who uh, was here. And uh, we were talking about, they made a movie about this, Troy. Some of you have seen it. And uh, so the guy in the movie that Brad Pitt played had a few flaws. And so Pastor Lou had a problem with this, because his hero, when he read about this hero, Achilles, there were no flaws. I mean, he would, he would beat anybody, any t if there was a war, if there was a battle. I mean, there was no question. The guy just always won. I mean, that's the kind of power that he had. There were no flaws. You know, I think about some of my superheroes like that. You know, I, and I, I joke with my son, he, you know, they've, they've, they've evolved these superheroes. I know we're not talking about superheroes this morning, but, you know, he talks about how in one comic book, you know, I think Superman died and, you know, Superman died. Give me a break. Superman does not die. Okay? I know they got that kryptonite thing, but nobody can be Superman. I don't care. Batman versus Superman, you cannot beat Superman. Okay? He just, he's unbeatable. Right? Think about the Lord. I'm, I'm joking around, but think about the Lord with this. This is the, the power that I'm talking about is the, the power that's just unbeatable. You can, I mean, there's no question. There's not even a, a thought. It's, you know, I, talking to folks, sometimes you talk and they, they act like there's a good versus evil type of thing. That is us, you know, us. We're, you know, if I'm good versus evil, that type of thing, or two uh, cops and robbers or whatever it is, that's what that is. Good versus evil has nothing to do with God versus Satan. 
nothing to do with it. I just want to get that clear to you this morning. There is no, when the apocalypse comes, it's a formality. There is no, uh, oh, good versus evil. Who will win? What will the outcome be? There's no question about the outcome of your God. First of all, your God created his own enemy. All right? He created him. So you don't think he can defeat him? In fact, he already defeated him on the cross. It's already done. We're just walking the thing out. I don't want to labor that point, but what I'm trying to get you to understand is this power that God has. He's all, all power has been given to me in heaven and in earth. Guess what? There's no other place. That's it. That's all the places there is. Heaven and earth. All power. So no one has any power but the Lord. All right? Any power that anyone has is given by the Lord. Okay, so that's why I want you to think of your God. That same power in the Holy Spirit is within you. Same power. You have a divine power within you. You have a divine power. Just need to appropriate it for ourselves. We'll talk about that in, the series, in this series. And you have divine promises. Verse 4, by which have been given to us exceedingly great and precious promises. A promise is a word that goes forth uh, into unfulfilled time. It means, in other words, God's... See, this is what... Think about this now, just for a second, when you make a promise. A promise is something that's already done, but the time is just not fulfilled yet. You see what I'm saying? It's something that's already done. The time is just not fulfilled as of yet. Now, think about that when you say, I promise. It's already done. The time is just not fulfilled yet. I think we need to think a little bit more before we say, I promise sometimes. <laughs> All right. But God's promise is that when he says, I promise, when there's a, there's a God promise, it's already there for you. It's not a question of will God do it? Won't he do it? He already did it. It's just for us to appropriate it. Now, here's the thing about this whole thing. This doesn't come. I'm, I'm telling you all this grace and it's great grace. I mean, God's grace is for us. There is a discipline factor to this. That's our part of it. See, we can't do anything to uh, obtain right, uh, the grace of God. We can't do anything to make him love us. I'm just going to do this thing and make God love me. No, he already loves you. He set his love upon you. Our part is to set our affection on things above. All right? And there's a discipline that goes with that. Verse 5, but also for this very reason, giving all diligence. And then he goes on to say, add to your faith. Da, 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 da. Yeah. Giving all diligence. What's that mean? That's a discipline for you. Now, here's the good part about it. If you will exchange your life for his, here's what he'll do. Philippians 2.13 says this. says that he works in you both to will and to do. That's you, by the way, in the middle. That's me. He works in you both to will and to do. Both to, to have the will to do it. And then to do it, the power to do it. But then look, it also goes on to say, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. What does that mean? Well, you know what a workout is. You guys know what a workout is. Come on, they got different workouts. If you ever watch Insanity, 
You know what a work you watch P90X or some of those workouts. I think they've upgraded from Jane Fonda now. I mean, this is much more of a thing now. I mean, insanity is insane. What's some of the other ones, Carrie? I don't know. Some of those are just, yeah, whatever. They are absolutely crazy. They're insane, <laughs> some of these workouts. And so you might say, uh, well, you know, I want to get in good shape. I've talked to the doctor, and, you know, the doctor said, listen, diet and exercise. We know that. You know, Keith and Becca told me diet and exercise 157 times. And, uh, you know, so I know that. So now I want to, you know what, I'm going to will and do. I'm going to have diligence, and I'm going to do this thing, and I'm going to work it out. So I did that part. The will is there, right? And the do, the can do is there. Now I just got to work it out. So then you go and say, the gym, the gym has a plan for your, you know, uh, health, right? There's a plan there for the gym. You say, you got a plan for me? Yes, I have a plan for your life. I got a plan for you. Just come on over here and we'll work out this plan. So you go over there and you say, yes, I'm so glad you have a plan, Mr. Gym Guy. Lay your hands on me and just put it all in me and I'll be healthy. It's not what happens. Mr. Jim guy can't lay, he can lay his hands on you, but it's not going to make you healthy. And so when Peter said, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling, what we're talking about here is the discipline that we have to do in order to enter in. There's a discipline we have to do, right? He'll give you the hammer, he'll give you the saw, he'll give you the nail, but you got to start doing that thing, right? All the equipment is there at the gym. Everything, I mean, they got all kind of stuff now. You can push buttons. What do you want to do? We want to get healthy. Yep, healthy. I'm second number two for healthy. Number three, lose weight. Number four, get rid of the belly. You can pick whatever you want to. But you, unless you start walking, unless you start running, unless you start lifting, unless you start squatting, nothing's going to happen. It just doesn't happen by osmosis. Listen to a couple of other versions. Uh, as far as is God that works in you both the will and do, listen to this version. Because God is working in you to help you want to do and to be able to do what pleases him. Because what pleases him will end up pleasing you. This is the exchange ticket we're talking about. And then on the other side of that says you must be even more careful to put into action. That's the word. God's saving work in your lives. Obeying God with deep reverence and deep fear. There is a discipline factor. The discipline of adding with serious pursuit. He goes on here to say add. Add these things. When we do that, we need to seek the things that are above. Right? We need to set our affection on those things. Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. We need to put to the part of that is we need to put to death let me read this put to death ungodly things Colossians 3 5 says therefore put to death it doesn't say to just dismember to just push away put in the background don't pay attention to it says kill it put to death your members which are on this earth fornication uncleanness passions Evil desires, covetousness, which is idolatry. Put those things off. Say, you put off, and then you put on. And then he said, you yield. Come on. We need to do all those things. So what are we saying here? What are we saying? Making the exchange this morning. Making the exchange. First of all, release your sin and take hold of Christ's righteousness. That's what you're doing when you make the exchange. 
All right. For those of you already know the Lord, you're already saved. As I look around, most of you and, and look at it here. Um, here's the thing. You can use this to talk to other people about it because people think this. And you, well, a lot of us thought that, too. Boy, if I'm going to go to church and I'm going to get saved, that means that I got to, you know, it's just a terrible life. I got to give up all this stuff and uh, just walk this narrow path. And my hair's got to be this way, you know, and uh, I got to wear this type of thing to church. And uh, that's all I can do. And I can't laugh. I can't have any fun can't do anything that's what that's what that's what the, the perception is of it but here's what Peter's saying he's saying release your sin that holds you down it's it's it, that's a chain that you don't want come on be free of all that and take on God's Christ's righteousness come on the ticket that gets you into the abundant life the life that you can't have without him You'll never have it without exchanging. And then we need to receive the divine nature. This is where many of us are. Receive the divine nature, the power, and the promises. Receive it. Here's what I'm saying when I say that. I said this. Get over it. <laughs> it's who you are. It's God, who God made you to be. Okay? Don't argue with yourself about it. All right? A lot of us do. I mean, I have. Come on. Argue with yourself about it. Because your flesh takes over sometimes. And then we allow it. That's only us. We allow it to happen. And then we start feeling bad. That's exactly what the enemy wants you to do. He doesn't. How many times have people done something, turned their back on God or whatever it might be, and now all of a sudden they're afraid to go back to God because they think what they did was so bad that it's just so embarrassing. I'm not going to go back in his presence. I don't even want to talk to him. I don't want to see him. You know, and that's kind of the, the way it goes. And that's exactly what the devil wants. He wants you to be like Adam and Eve and run and hide. But what he didn't know is that God, even in the midst of that, came and pursued and found and saved. Come on. That's what God did. And so don't turn your back on him. Go to him. No matter what's happened in your life, run to him. Receive it. You need to have, number three, a relentless pursuit of spiritual growth. And that's what we want for you here at the Life Church. A relentless pursuit. Put all diligence and effort into your spiritual growth, folks. Commit to the disciplines of reading, studying, meditating on the word and prayer, commit to prayer, to relationship with God and with others in the body of Christ. Don't sever relationships. Commit to relationship, to serving. Add diligence. Add diligence.